0: So whatever you think about me, it is not perfect. I can tell you that right now. This is not fashionable. This is just a mistake. Stand to your feet, Matthew chapter 20. And yet I have to preach with all these distractions. Matthew chapter 20. Before I start, I, um, I've come to realize that most people live their lives in a reactive stance that we're living, reacting to everything that's happening around us. Most people parent reactively that we're just that, that our kids make a mistake. We correct it. They make a mistake. We correct it. They make a mistake. We correct it. We're waiting on the mistake so that we can correct it. And, um, we, we uh, inadvertently, I think, I don't think it was on purpose. It wasn't a book we read, just kind of inadvertently just started realizing that it would be nice to teach our kids not to lie before they lied. Like, don't wait until they lie. So we, we would, from a young age, we would start saying stuff like, we're, we're going to be honest even if it hurts. We're going to be honest even if it hurts. I would say, you've heard me say, we, we, we would tell them we don't quit. We wouldn't wait until they quit and then correct them. We would say we don't quit. We're not quitters. We're going to be generous no matter what. So I I don't really think we did it on purpose. It was just kind of what happened. And so, so one day I was looking through scripture and I realized that Jesus didn't spend a lot of time correcting people. He spent a lot of time casting vision for how people should live. So he would say the kingdom of heaven is like this. Somebody would bring up a rule or a law. He'd say, well, the kingdom of heaven operates like this well, what if somebody gets caught doing this? Let me tell you, you're supposed to live. So, it is, Um, when you go to your house, you have a culture. You don't have to even say it. When I walk in, I can tell what it is. If everybody's got their shoes off, and I've got my shoes on, then I know. I'm outside of the culture. And I'm not coming back, because you're making me take my shoes off. If, if, um, if I walk into your house, it smells a certain way. I know, oh, they burn candles here. Or I know you're trying to cover something up because I showed up. <laughs> see? So what Jesus is doing over and over and over again in scripture is saying, here's how the house works. Now you have your culture from where you're from, but this is how the kingdom house works. This is how when... When the kingdom comes, this is how it's supposed to operate. When when, when you become part of the kingdom, this is your new mindset. So we talked last week, you can grow up in a house, but when you leave the house, you start your own culture. And so Jesus is saying, when you come into the kingdom, this is the way the kingdom operates. And so in Matthew chapter 20... He's telling one of those stories. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go out and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones hired and going to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Now you, you know somebody from the union is getting ready to flip straight out. <laughs> the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each one of them received a denarius. So when those who came who were first hired, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last Worked only an hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them. I am not being fair. Am I not being fair to you, friend? Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I give you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment, Lord. We pray that your word would transform our lives, renew our minds with it today. We pray we have more kingdom culture in us than we do anything else. And we pray that this would add to it. Thank you for this moment we have. We pray that it would be effective in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. When I grew up, we had a culture in our house. You, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night was the youth group and Wednesday night was the thing we called Royal Rangers. And so we, we were in church at least four times a week. And if there was something special, we were there. You didn't, you, 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 uh, if you were sick, you went to church, got prayed for. It's Like you're not bleeding, get up. And uh, and we went to church. We got spanked for lying. Oh no, that's unpopular. Sorry. We got spanked for lying. We got in. We there was an expectation that we got good grades, and if we didn't, we'd get we'd get uh, we'd get grounded for it. If um, if we misbehaved in in school, we'd get grounded and spanked. Uh, if we got called fighting, we would get in trouble. That's why my brother's two years younger than me. We were the same size growing up. And, he, um, and, and we learned really quick how to fight and not leave marks that mom and dad could see. See, if you go around hitting your brother in the face, they're going to see it right away. And so we'd get in trouble for that. So we just punch each other like dummy punching bags from here down. And just be like, don't wear shorts today, man, because I'm wearing you out. So, so that's the way we grew up. There's a culture in our house. didn't have to say it, it was just what it was. You would figure it out if you spent any time with us. And um, Jesus realized that there was a culture that he walked into. And so part of his mission was to teach the culture that he walked into what the culture of the kingdom was. Because it was diametrically opposed to the culture that that he was dealing with. And oftentimes, the culture that we find in Scripture is even opposed to the culture in our homes. And we have this struggle we have to deal with. And in today's world, uh, one of those struggles is about the whole issue of fairness. I wish I had a little box I could stand on right now. I'll just get up on it. Uh, If you know me very well, you know that I don't even like using the term fair. You realize that life... Uh, most uh, of life is not even close to being fair. Most of the gospel is not fair. But we live in a society that values fairness over rightness. And that's why your kid can get a trophy. (laughs) How far do I want to go? We've created a culture where no one can get disappointed. No one can have more no one can have less, no one can be better, no one can be worse. Everything has to be fair. Everything has to be equal. So, so we've really thrown the idea of talent and effort out the window for everybody has to be the same. So that, I mean, that goes against everything that's inside of me, even with my own kids. If I, when we were when we were raising them up through sports and stuff, if you're not good, you're not playing. The team has to win, and if you're not going to add to that, sit down. And and that's my kid. Like, hey, you're terrible. Take give him the trophy back. You don't deserve it. So Jesus. It's telling a story about a guy who owns a vineyard. He goes out and he hires people at the beginning. In in this culture, it's it's not like our culture. Everybody, everybody, uh, nobody stands around in the middle of the town waiting to be hired. Now, now, in my travels, there you, you will see this a lot in other countries. Still to this day, you'll see it in Africa. You'll see it in countries like that where 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 uh, working age men will, will go congregate in an area and then, and then they'll, and then somehow come and hire them. And this was really common back then. And so they would congregate and, uh, and, and landowners, vineyard owners, people that needed employment, empl- employees would come and hire them for day rates. Uh, and so these these guys that would get hired by the day would would gather together in these places and they get hired by the day and a typical wage for a day at that time was a denarius and and, and Jesus tells a story that the landowner comes at the beginning of the day is about a twelve hour work day comes at very right beginning of the day, and he hires some guys and He says to them, "Are you willing to work for a denarius?" And they go, Yeah it's a good deal. It's a great pay. That's a going rate for what I do. And so they say, yeah, sure. So he takes them to the vineyard. They start working. They start working and everything's fine. Everything is good until he hires more people. And he, and he goes out. The Bible says that he goes out multiple times later in the day. And he, and he hires more guys, hires more guys, hires more guys, hires more guys. And he keeps doing this all the way down to the last hour. The five o'clock, he goes and he finds guys still standing there and he hires them and brings them. So they're only working about an hour at the end of the day. How do you want a job like that? <laughs> Boss, I'm coming in at five tomorrow. I'm going to work about an hour. I'd like to have a full day's pay, if you don't mind. I read the story in the Bible, and it seemed like a good one. One thing we got to realize here is who's doing the hiring. You know, I tell my kids all the time, um, I, I, I want them to understand that if they sign a contract to work for somebody, then do what you told them you would do. And at any time when you can't fulfill those things anymore, then you go do something else. Because you're not the one doing the hiring. You're the one working for the one doing the hiring. Come on, help me out a little bit. So, what we understand right up front in this story is that the guys being hired are not doing the hiring, they're the employees. They're the ones standing around waiting for an opportunity. The guy with the land is the one creating the opportunity. Everybody understand what we're doing here? He owns the land. He owns the vineyard. He's the boss. He's the one creating all the opportunities. He's the one giving out the opportunity, not the guy standing there. And sometimes we get that confused in our spiritual life about who's in charge. Who's setting the terms? And we we try to we try to coax God into something like, "Lord, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, you shouldn't be doing that." And He's like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait a second, it's my land. I, I'm the one that originated grace, and I can give it out however I want to give it out. It's my grace. It's not our grace. It's His grace." And so when we ever get the idea that we can superimpose our will on top of God's will. God, you have to do it this way. You have to. It's it's the only fair thing to do. God very politely and quietly says, it's my vineyard. If I remember, I'm the one that was hiring everybody. So we have to understand, to understand how the landowner gets to where he is at the end, you have to understand his mentality at the beginning. He's the one doing all the hiring. It's a different mentality. When you're hiring versus standing there waiting on a job. So, Ephesians 2, verse 8. We said this last week, I think, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works that anyone can boast. These guys are standing there in the morning waiting for someone to hire them. We didn't go to God. He came to us. While we were waiting. So what happens is these first guys get hired and they go to work, they're happy. Don't we all start out happy with grace? <laughs> we all start out happy with grace when we receive it the first time. Oh man, it's the grace of God. It's, it's unmerited. It's, it's just God's been so good to me. God's been so good to me. You hear people walking into the church for the first time. God's been so good to me. God is so good. Here's also how it works. I didn't tell the first service this. <laughs> Here's also how it works. People come to the church for six, eight months. They're like, pastor, you're so good. <laughs> I've been around here a long time. I know it's going to wear off. A year goes by, two years go by. Why do you do that? It goes from you're so good to why are you doing it that way? What's wrong with you? Why did he shave this morning? His shoes don't match. Why did he do this? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, where'd the grace go? <laughs> you were so happy when you first got here. It always starts out great, doesn't it? Hey, do you want to come work for me? Yeah. How much are you paying? A denarius. I'll do it. Lord, you came and got me. You saved me. You delivered me. It's so amazing. I'll do whatever you want me to do. So they go to work and they start working and they're working. They're doing their hard labor. The sun's coming out. It's starting to heat up. They're doing their hard labor. They look back. So where'd he go? Nine o'clock. He goes, to get some more guys. Oh, hired some more dudes. Good. He goes, where'd he go? Goes back and hired some more guys. Oh, good. And this keeps happening throughout the day. We always start out. Happy with grace. We always start out thinking we got a deal. We always start out, man, the grace of God is so free and rich and beautiful, and it's just amazing, and I get to experience it, and it's so wonderful. Everything is fine when we all get hired at the same time. Watch this. Here's how it works. This is why a lot of churches don't grow, because everybody got hired at the same time. And so now everybody's miserable at the same time because the sun came out. And when somebody new comes in that just experiences grace for the first time, all the people go, just wait. Your trial will be coming soon. I remember being as happy as you when I first came to the Lord, but it's hard work now. It's hard work now. I remember I remember being as excited as you about the Lord when I came to faith the first time when he, when he came and got me and that unmerited grace, favor and grace and, and all those things but I'm telling you one thing devil the devil's he's waiting you just wait a little while I remember being excited when we first got married Uh-oh <laughs> You know what's so funny I have li- I have actually seen people Not be able to give newlyweds good advice because they were jealous of their happiness. It's easy when we all got hired at the same time. When we all came in at the same time and now we're all experiencing the same difficulties and we're all just prickly and upset, it's all easy. But when that new Christian or when that new newlywed or the new babies. They're all over this place now, <laughs> and those of us that got almost twenty years old are like, you just wait, you just wait, you just wait. That thing's cute now. You just wait. Give that thing, give that thing ten years. You'd be pawning it off on somebody else. You just wait, and as long as we're all hired at the same time, we can just be. We can just kind of move together, and we can be upset together, and we can we can be in the heat of the day together. But when he goes back and gets somebody else, when he goes back and hires somebody that's not sweating yet, and they show up on the job, and you're like, hey, buddy, you don't even know what you're talking about. You're not even sweating yet. I, I tell the staff all the time, this is a perfect picture of leadership. Because here's how it works. You come to the church. You've been here. You get your free gift of the first Sunday you come in. Everybody's like, oh, we're so excited. You're a visitor. Come on in. Here's a, here's a Hedgesville Church cup, and there's a $5 Dunkin' Donuts gift card. Come on in. We're all clapping. And then you start attending. You've been here two, three, four years, and you start to make your way up, and maybe you're leading a team or something. And you turn around, and you go, wait a second. I didn't get any free gifts. Nobody's clapping. They want me to give 10%. They want me to show up during the week. They want me to schedule people. They want me to deal with that person's problems. And all the clapping goes away because the sun came out. And then when the new person comes in, we go, oh, just wait. They're going to get you. They're going to sucker you into doing this. And it's hard work. Churches stay small. Because they like it when everybody gets hired at the same time. And it just doesn't seem fair when I have to work and somebody else gets to experience grace. It doesn't, the whole fairness of the whole thing doesn't make any sense about how could, how could, how could we be in the same, in the same field and him receiving a benefit that seemingly I worked for? How how does it, how does it, how does it happen? That I, now I'm in leadership and nobody's clapping anymore. Matter of fact, all they're doing is complaining. How is it, how is it that I move from, that I move from everybody being excited about me being a visitor to now I'm up here volunteering every week and I don't even, and, and it doesn't seem anybody appreciates it anymore. Well, the sun came out. The sun came out. So we have to remember, we have to remember this, that we had the grace moment at some point in time. We just didn't keep it. We had that grace moment. We all, we, we can look back to the day, the season, the time. It's so, a man, I remember when I was so excited. He hired me. I was standing there nervous at six o'clock in the morning wondering if I was going to get a job that day and he came my way and he picked me. And he hired me. I remember I was so excited about it. I was so excited about it. We all start out happy with grace. And then we forget that it's unmerited. We forget that it's unmerited. Because when the sun comes comes out, it seems to switch a little bit. When the work starts happening, it seems to switch from unmerited to earned. Doesn't it? Oh, I'm the only one. No, 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 no. I know you think this way too. Well, God, you know what I've been doing. You know, I've been putting it in. You know, I've been giving. You know how I know this? Because when people get sick, we always list the good things they've done before we ask God to heal them. (laughs) It's a good guy. God, he gives a lot of money. You got to keep him alive. It's a good guy, God. He, he comes over and mows my grass every day. got to keep him lifting. Like, God, he is a good guy. Look at all the good things he has done. We can't afford to lose him. And so all of a sudden, grace that was unmerited at the beginning now becomes something we've earned in the middle. And now, now we want to renegotiate to fair. And we forget that it was him that hired us from the beginning. We forget that it was him that started the whole process. We forget that it was his vineyard we were coming into. His culture that we were being hired into. His, it was all his. And then it becomes extremely unfair. Extremely unfair. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Wait a second. So here's what happens. <laughs> here's what happens. So When somebody else receives a blessing, we have a tendency to look at that blessing and go, I've done more than them. I've done more than them, and so therefore I deserve more than them. And so we instantly start to measure our life against their life about how much we think they've worked compared to how much we've worked. And we instantly do what these guys are doing in the moment. And they look and they see the last guy get into Darius and they start going, oh, 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 yeah, it's going to be a good day. We're getting a bonus. And then the foreman comes to them and hands them what they agreed to work for. And the stuff hits the fan. And they start to go, what are you talking about? I've been working all day in the heat of the sun. And you're paying that bum who just walked in here. There's not even any sweat on his forehead. He's been here an hour and took two smoke breaks. I don't even know what you're talking about. He can no way get paid the same amount that I'm getting paid. So here's what I've realized about the kingdom. In the same moment, there are going to be people working really hard because of grace, and there are going to be people that aren't because of grace. You guys aren't happy with this, but this is true. (laughs) Think about it. It's the tension of the unfairness of grace. There are going to be people working really hard, there are going to be people toiling, there are going to be people dying for the gospel. And then there's going to be people that it seems like God's just pouring out his goodness on them and they're doing nothing. And what happens is we caught up in, Lord, that ain't fair. That ain't fair. And what I keep having to remind myself is that it was I was called to work for what I was called to work for. And when he called me, he didn't talk about what he was doing with anybody else. He didn't have the discussion with me. Hey, listen, I'm calling you, but I just want to let you know up front, I'm going to give Bill a little something he doesn't deserve. No, that was not part of the discussion. Chris, will you come to me for salvation? And I went, yeah. He said, okay, let's get to work. And when I made that agreement with him, Lord, you you save me from my sins. He said, okay. And so then, then I have no right to come back to him now and say, I don't like the way you're being nice to them because I've already made an agreement with him. He's already forgiven me in my sins. He's already delivered me. He's already set me free. And now I'm in the hot sun phase. <coughs> I'm going to work. You save me to be a blessing to others. You save me so that through me, You could pour out your goodness to other people. So now I'm going to sweat a little bit. But I can't get sidetracked by looking back, people experiencing grace for the first time. I can't be so discontent in my marriage because it takes work that I look at a newlywed and say, hey, it ain't going to last forever. Because guess what? Sometimes it's hard work to treat your wife the way she should be treated. Come on, I'm giving the men an opportunity I gave the women last service. Come on, guys, help me out, help me out. I know it's Christmas, she'll still get you something, come on. (laughs) Let me ask you this, doesn't it grind on your nerves when you get around people that their marriage seems to be easier than yours? Can we just have an honest conversation? Every now and then? Because we're comparing ourselves to what we agreed to and what somebody else agreed agreed to. I said yes at the beginning to this. They said yes to that. And God's unfairness deals with us as individuals, not as a conglomerate. He's not trying to ensure everyone under the same rate. He's trying to save everyone at all costs. And so and so, when we get this idea that the deal he makes with me and the calling that is on my life has to be the same with everyone else, I'll constantly be disappointed. Because some people are going to experience the unfettered, unme- unmeasurable grace when I'm working. That's just the way it's going to be. And then get over it when I'm experiencing it when you're working. It should be just me clapping. Now, I'm going to twist it up just a little bit more here at the end. Watch this. This will happen at the same time in your own life. You need to be careful about how you deal with it. Watch this. It'll happen in your kids. I love it when it happens to kids. Because your kids will do good things at the same time they're doing bad things. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? They have the capability to be good on one side and the devil on the other. So what are you going to do? You talk about how unfair it is? Can we be blessed and corrected at the same time? Can you be blessed and corrected at the same time? Because here's what's going on. There's some people working hard and some people seemingly being blessed. He's, he, the landowner is making some people go through difficulty and then some people go through none. And so in a church culture, there's some people being corrected, some people being blessed. So in the same time in my life, in the same time in my kid's life, there can be aspects of my life that are being blessed and aspects of my life that are being corrected. Here's the issue. As soon as the correction, the difficulty starts to come, because listen, God typically always corrects us through difficulty. In case you didn't know that. That lollipop you just got was not correction. He always uses the trial to give us perseverance. He always uses the difficulty to grow us. And so there can be difficulty in one aspect of our life and, and unmerited blessing in another aspect of our life. So watch this. Here's how it works. So if I only grumble over what I didn't get, I miss out on what I did get. And so here's what we here's the mistake we make as parents. We only punish the bad thing, and we don't praise the good thing. Some of you are like, you just made my job twice as difficult. Come on, just focus on one thing. Just focus on the punishment. I know you talked about spanking earlier, I want to hear more about that. No. Listen, it's possible to look at your kid in the face and say, you're a great kid. And you are doing this, this, and this, and this amazingly. I need you to improve here. Why do we have to say you're terrible? God doesn't do that to us. But the the, the tension of grace is that it's unfair. Both things are happening in our lives at the same time. We we are, we are. We are doing the sweat of the brow and then there's areas of our life that he's pouring blessing out on us that we don't deserve. At the same time. And so what happens is if all you're focusing on is the sweat of your brow, you're missing the unmerited blessing. You're missing the grace. You're missing the area that you didn't work for. You're missing it. Totally missing it. Because we're saying, well, I worked all day, Lord, and you gave me the same as as some guy that didn't work. He said, yeah, but look at this other area of your life where you did nothing. You're actually a big loser in that area, and I gave it to you anyway. I have to check myself every time. I have to step back and remember who hired me. I have to step back and remember, I think I skipped a part. I have to step back and remember that I was the one standing around all day, waiting. Now, I'm going to tell you something. By nature, I'm a self-starter. I don't like to, my wife will tell you, I don't stand around and wait on anybody. I probably should stand around and wait on her a little more to hold her hand and all that stuff. And I'm like, hurry up. (laughs) So, So when I read that, I thought, what are these guys doing? The landowner asked, what are you still standing here for? Because in my mentality, he didn't hire me at six. At seven o'clock, I'm walking down there knocking on his door. Hey, bro, I'm still standing out there. I know you need some more help. I see you got some more vineyards. I'm your guy. Let's do it. Come on. But the story doesn't go that way. The landowner comes back and says, Why are you still standing here? Remember Ephesians? It's not by works lest any man should boast. We're not doing anything to affect our own salvation except the unmerited grace and favor of God. And we're standing there complaining about an opportunity he didn't give us. We're standing there complaining about a blessing we don't recognize. We're standing there complaining. Baffles me. How are they still standing there doing nothing? comes back and he takes them anyway. We have an opportunity. Sweat is just as much grace as doing nothing is. Think about it. That's why we repeat all the time in here do not grow weary in relaxing in the grace of Jesus because it's so easy and it's so unbelievable and it's just No 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 that's not the way the scripture goes. It says, do not grow weary in doing good. Well, how can I grow weary from doing good if it's just this, it's hard work. It's hard work. And if I lose sight of a deal I made, if I lose sight of, I'm surrendering everything to you, your will for me, not mine. If we lose sight of, God, I want want to serve and honor you. You saved me by your grace, your amazing grace. You saved me. you've, You've given me an inheritance. You've given me eternal life. You've saved me, and now I'm going to spend my life honoring you. We forget the deal. So, Lord, this isn't fair. God is looking at us this morning and saying, I know you're sweating now, but there's other parts of your life that you're not sweating in that I'm just blessing you. I'm just giving you favor just because. Yeah, you're sweating a little bit. That's called doing good. That's called work. It's called what we're supposed to be doing. But when you're sweating, don't don't envy somebody else who's not. Don't envy the part of your life that's not. Don't Don't envy your spouse that's not. Don't envy your neighbor that's not. Be okay with the unfairness. Be okay with me just... Pouring it out the way I need to pour it out. Because here's what I understand: that he's doing it for my good. He's doing it for my good. It's not malicious. It's not. All things work together for good. To those of them that love him are called according to his purpose. Amen? He's doing it for our good. If I get up today and I gotta work. It's for my good. If I get up today and there's a blessing that pops out of the sky from nowhere, it's for my good. If I got to get up tomorrow and work, it's for my good. If I got to get up the next day and there's a, it's for my good. And so if I'm working while you're being blessed, it's for our good. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. The band's going to (laughs) come. If we're going to be home for Christmas, we got to know the culture of the house. And in this house, it's unfair. But I'm so thankful it is. Because I've been the recipient of unfair grace. I've been the recipient of when I least deserved it, he just gave it to me. I've been the recipient when I stood around all day and did nothing, he hired me anyway. I've been the recipient of, of being the last guy getting paid first. And looking at everybody else going, nah, 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 nah. and we realize we've all been in that spot. That we've all been a recipient of his favor and grace when we stood around. God, we pray this morning that you make it real to us in this season. You came to us while we were standing around sinners. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. When we were standing around sinners, Emmanuel, God with us, came. When we were standing around waiting for something to happen, you were busy making it happen. And you came and made a deal with us. If we'd repent, confess our sins, that you'd forgive us. And Lord, we accepted that deal. And now there's people in here working. There's people in here living out their calling. And I pray that, Lord, that when the sun comes out, we can have a joyous spirit that you still saved us. When the work gets hot, when we begin to sweat and somebody else gets a blessing, we pray, God, that we'd we'd realize it's the culture of the house, even if it doesn't seem fair. Pray, Lord, that that unmerited favor and grace would keep going and going and going. You're the owner of the vineyard, and it's all yours. Do with it the way you will, because your will is perfect, and it's good for us. Thank you today, God, that we can have faith in you, that you do the right thing every time. God I pray if somebody's here they get hired for the first time today maybe they've never maybe they've never experienced this grace maybe they've never experienced I pray that Lord they'd experience it maybe for the first time this morning that you'd forgive them of their sins today and wipe all shame away Lord they'd confess to you accept what Jesus did Accept him as Lord of their life. And then experience that fullness. That forgiveness today. Do your work in their lives this morning. And let us clap today for the good things that you're doing. Thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on church, could you do that right now? Could you just give him honor and glory for what he's doing? Amen amen. Hey, listen, we're going to transition. I think the kids are ready. The camels are ready. If you want to be seated, the music's going to change. We're going to start with our Christmas kids program.
1: After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn King of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler has come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod.
0: Just stand, we'll pray a blessing. Father, we thank you so much for this privilege it is to be called yours. We thank you for these young ones, we thank you for the blessing and grace you're pouring out on their lives, unmerited favor from you. And we pray that you bless us as we go. We pray that you bless others through us as we go
2: this week, Lord.